You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Hey there, everybody. Just wanted to do a couple quick housekeeping items before we get started on today's episode. First and foremost, as always, this episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's Breads and Spreads by Fred. Fred has a fantastic selection of cookies and brownies and jams. Oh my, all sorts of really good, fun stuff in his store. He's got a great selection of jams, and I'm not even normally a jam person, but these jams are my jam, if you know what I'm saying. And so he's got uh, flavors that are fresh, never frozen. They are flavors that can't be found in stores. And if you are a local LA person, uh, you can actually waive the delivery fee and go pick your order up for free. So guys, what are you waiting for? Go to fredsbs.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off of your order. Go guys, Freds and Spreads by Fred. I really want some cookies just talking about it. Uh, so yeah, go do that. Go support uh, Fred, because when you support Fred with that coupon code, you're directly supporting us. And speaking about ways to support us, uh, coming soon to the Podcast Network uh, website is No Love Lost merchandise. That's right. Uh, no Love Lost is going to be getting t-shirts pretty soon. Uh, we're going to be having t-shirts with our logo on them and also t-shirts for Crazy About Kurt. So guys, keep an eye out on our social media for further updates on that. And uh, like I said, go to fredsbs.com and use that coupon code. I think that does it as far as announcements go for today. So, Michelle, take it away. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears there was a crash and there are others and there are numbers and it all means something supposedly but even though there are times we hang our heads in sadness we know there's no love lost we had to go back. That is 100% debatable. Well, you know, there's the door. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's been a door, a front door this whole time? Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast in which I explain to Megan why <laughs> Lost is the greatest television show in the history of the galaxy. <laughs> Uh, I'm Will Link, with me as always. Megan Salinas, hey guys. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 3, Orientation. Um, mm-hmm. This episode is written by Javier Grillo Maracucha, the guy whose name I can never pronounce. Our good buddy Javi. And Craig Wright. And directed by Jack Bender, the greatest of all Lost directors. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jack. Uh, ja- uh, like I saw during the credit, I-, I missed who who wrote it, but I saw during the credits that it was a Jack Bender episode, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> now, this episode to me is is notable for two reasons. One, it's where we have these two 
equally intense mysterious storylines kind of breaking apart like Mm -hmm. like the our our boys on the raft of like who (laughs) who are these people they're dealing with and and in the the bunker there what's the dharma initiative what's all this stuff um the other reason i think it's notable is because i wonder is this the episode where things start to go south for megan's opinion of lost (laughs) because i mean not necessarily this episode but this is where we start to get into there's a big world out there that this is where the narrative starts to zoom out a little bit and you start to see that what what's been going on is just a small piece of a much larger puzzle and you were right to be concerned, Will. Um, however, like, because I, I have a lot of problems with all of this in the larger scope of the narrative and ultimately what that ends up meaning for the show as a whole, because you're absolutely right. This is very much the beginning of we're getting away from just merely trying to survive on this island as, you know, survivors of a plane crash. We're moving away from that into a sci-fi border magical realism show um well it was always sci-fi yeah yeah no but like this is this is where it starts to get a little bit more outlandish with its concepts like so i don't like where this ultimately ends up going but you know what i did like will what the episode oh see good uh like this was, and it doesn't surprise me that Javier was uh, was one of the co-writers on this, um, because, and, and we were actually having a discussion sort of aligned with this before we started talking. You want to know why I like this episode, Will? Why? It's an episode of the Twilight Zone. It is a Twilight Zone episode, Will. Like, can't you imagine, like, back in the 60s, like, picture this in black and white. There are a couple guys, like, just switch out the the hatch, just switch out the electromagnetic whatever, whatever, switch that out for, like, nuclear weapons, and you have yourself, like, a Cold War classic sci-fi Twilight Zone episode. I could see an episode where these people kind of get stuck having to push a button so the world does and it's kind of like the the tragedy of the episode is these people like now they're the ones stuck doing this kind of thing yeah yeah now there's also um i'm a big fan of the horror anthology podcast called the no sleep podcast and one of their i believe it was one of their christmas episodes a couple years ago and i wish i could remember the actual name of the episode um my apologies but there was an episode in which it took place uh, in a underground facility where, yeah, a guy had to keep typing in a code after a certain amount of time to prevent, like, basically a nuclear apocalypse. And same scenario. He didn't know whether or not he was actually averting the end of the world or if it was all an experiment just to see what he would do under these particular conditions. And so now... I, I listened to that episode probably about a year ago, and so watching this episode uh, for the first time since it originally aired makes me go, oh, I really liked that episode of the No Sleep podcast, and I, you know, the Twilight Zone is on my mind since it's getting ready to start back up again. I was like, 
this episode very much plays like an episode of the Twilight Zone, and I really dig that. However, it's an episode of the Twilight Zone. It doesn't necessarily mean it's an episode of Lost, though, or at least Lost as we knew it in season one. Well, this is a turning point. Yeah, this is the big turning point for the this, this series, really. It's fitting the name is Orientation because it has to reorient us to, like, this is where we're going to go from here. We're changing things. We're shaking things up. And yeah, that Twilight Zone episode of now, they'll always be pushing that button, but they never know whether it's real or not. But Mm -hmm. they can't take the chance. Can't you just imagine like Rod Sterling's narration over like at the beginning and the end of this episode? Like you could like tell me it's not perfect. It's perfect. It's good. (laughs) Um let's get into it. Let's let's start with the flashback. As we as we tend to do when we can. Um, Locke is in a support group. I, I was going to say, did we get the name of this support group? Because it's a very specific support group. Yeah. It's like the people who, um, who have been betrayed by their <laughs> parents support Betrayal group? Anonymous? I don't know. And obviously, I don't want to invalidate anybody who needs the help of a group like this. But I just, whenever I see a group like this, I think of, like, grief counseling or, um... Or Alcoholics Anonymous, substance yeah. abuse sort of thing. I've never, especially in television, seen one where it's specifically I have toxic relationships with my family uh, and I need to talk about it. I mean, look, I think Locke is, uh, it's one of those cases, he, he explodes at the people in the group. This woman's complaining like her mother stole $30 from, and he explodes at the people in the group. And it's one of those cases where, like, Locke's 100% right and 100% wrong. Both like, of those things. Yeah, John where, Locke's really good at being both 100% right and 100% wrong I mean, at the exact same time. I mean, that's his MO. <laughs> and it was his MO before the island. Because that's, the, that's honestly the problem he's having here is because all these people, their feelings are valid. Of and course. They, they, that $30 thing probably comes from a whole other place. Well, it's clearly but, it's clearly because it stems from her mother being an alcoholic. And yeah. that is a serious issue and then Locke is like Locke's like my my father reunited with me only to steal my kidney and you know what he's right that is worse yeah but it also you know but he's but he's doing his John Locke thing and then afterwards uh Katie Seagal uh the great Katie Seagal uh plays Helen and Helen comes up to him, and basically she's like, you just said everything I, uh, I I, always wanted to say. Although I don't think we ever catch what Helen's issue is. No, I, I'm wondering if we get that in a later flashback episode. I can't episode remember. Because, because later in the episode she says she was angry for like 20 years. And I don't know if that's angry at her, her parents, angry at an ex-husband. I, I don't know, but she said she was angry for a long time and that she needed help to get past it. However, I do want to point out, I love this woman. Uh, I like every time I I watched Lost, and I was like, "It's Leela from Futurama." I love her. Peg Bundy. I see Peg Bundy. <laughs> see, I I never like Married with Children never grabbed me when it was on TV, but Futurama certainly did. See, Married with Children for me was like a show that, as a kid, as a very young kid, I knew was kind of dirty, <laughs> and I sh- I probably shouldn't be watching it. But my mother would always, my mother was strange about this because my mother would always be like, I don't like you watching that show 
but she never stopped me from watching it. <laughs> it's like she would convey like an annoyance that I would watch it. But in retrospect, she was the mother. She could have stopped me. <laughs> she could have changed the channel. But she didn't. She let me... I don't know. But the point is, she'll always be Peg Bundy to me. And <laughs> Christina Applegate will always be Kelly Bundy. And I don't know, will always be Al Bundy. <laughs> Christina will always be Bud Bundy. They'll always be the Bundys. But the point is, there are all these shit off island people, and I wrote, I wrote, good non island person next to Helen's name. Helen. Now I I do want to point out like how stupid past John Locke is because she's the best thing that ever happened to him and we know ultimately based on his first flashback episode that he screws this up yeah uh, yeah so we know he is not with I, Helen I spend a good chunk of this flashback wanting to slap John Locke in the face although I do want to say like like <laughs> um her introduction strikes me a, a little bit as kind of middle-aged indignant dude wish fulfillment because what John Locke does is he explodes at a group of people who don't deserve it and then she comes up to him and she's super into him for it. Let me say this. (laughs) I have I've 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 had some bad dating luck. Should I just be exploding at people in rooms more? Do you think that'll I mean you'll attract Leela's who are like, thank you for saying what we're all thinking. You know what? Here's what I'm gonna do over the next couple weeks. I'm just going to be in various... I'm just going to explode. I'll just be sitting at a just, diner. Start yelling. Just, I'll be at the bank yelling. Go to all these places, all these public places, and just start yelling. <laughs> you want your $30 back. I want my kidney back. Just yell that. See how that plays. <laughs> Let me know how many phone numbers you get. I. You're never going to see me again. <laughs> Because you'll this, have met the love of your life. I'll be this, this. <laughs> well, no, this. Well, I'll have to cancel podcasting because I'll be too busy going from women's apartment <laughs> to women's apartment to women's apartment. <laughs> right? I mean, anyway, it helps also that uh, that she likes bald men. I I liked that as a fun, like again total wish fulfillment, but I I like her going. I can wait. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was a it good makes, flirty fun line. It makes me wonder because I feel like for the most part, flashback John Locke will always have hair unless it's like right before the plane crash. Um, it makes me wonder if like after they broke up and he realized what he lost, if he immediately shaved his head. <laughs> he pulled a Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah, and just like I'm losing it anyway. Well, no. He's like, I got to get her back. So he shakes his head. I really don't remember how all the stuff with Helen shakes out. But like I said, I know he screws it up. I'll tell you what. Yeah, not great. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to know how it shakes out. Yep. Um, But anyway, the first sign of it, of him going to screw it up, is we see him like in the really, really pre-dawn hours of the morning. Uh, which most would call night. Um, <laughs> we see him. That is typically what pre-dawn hours are defined as. Yeah. Yes. He. Um, we see him. Post sunset, pre-dawn, whatever that time period is. We see him s- 
sneaking out, and she's like, where are you going? He's like, oh, you know, I, I can't sleep, and I gotta, you know, I forget the excuse he Which, makes. Which, to be fair, sharing a bed with somebody can be uncomfortable, especially when you run at different temperatures. That being said, this woman is a gift from God, John Yeah, Locke. you suck it up. Believe me, <laughs> I hate sharing a bed with anyone, but if I'm lucky enough to have someone to share a bed with, I you don't complain. You suck it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Especially given what we find out he ends up ditching her to go and do. John Locke, you crazy person. What he does is he obsessively sits outside his father's house. His father's apparent new house because he even says, we moved. You keep keep coming here. Um, The father basically has, has had enough of this. And he comes and gets in the car and we get the idea that this has been going on a while. And he's like, uh, uh, John Locke is just begging him like, what? Why did you do this? And he's like, you needed a father figure. I needed a kidney. And then tells him that he's not wanted. He, yeah. Again, <sighs> this guy could have gotten that kidney and just been nice. Yeah. Like, not only does he tell him that, like, you're not wanted, but he straight up tells him there is no why. There is yeah. no why. You think you're special because I conned you? you're not and like yeah it would have been so easy for this asshole just to keep being nice to his kid he would have gotten away with it it would have been fine but no he has to be spiteful about it Ugh, this friggin anthony you deserve whatever you get yeah which is also not good for him um he oh, nobody meets a good end anyway <laughs> Anyway, so then we cut to he's been dating Helen for six months. And she gives him a gift at their little six-month anniversary, which he didn't know was a thing. But she wants it. She's basically like, I want to give like, this to you. It cost me a buck. Don't yeah. don't stress. <laughs> it's the key to her apartment. Because she's like, then you could, whenever you come over, but you got to stay over. He's mm-hmm. like, I followed you. I know what you're doing. And she basically says, like, you have to promise me that... You're not going to go to your father's again. You're not going to go do that because it's not good. It's not healthy. It's not good for anybody. No. Um, it's it's very, I, I will point out, it's friggin' fascinating that John Locke, as a character in this flashback episode, is basically pulling a jack and refusing to let something go. Like... Jack's big problem in both a lot of his flashbacks and a lot of the stuff on the island is his refusal to let things go and his fear of failure and that's what like is kind of manifesting here for John Locke is he's refusing to let what his father did to him go which granted it's a terrible thing he did a terrible thing Anthony is a terrible person who did a terrible thing but John Locke Hanging out outside his house isn't doing anyone any favors. Anthony doesn't feel any remorse for, like, if anything, it's yeah. just going to make his dad get, get a restraining order against him. Like, it's not doing him, it's not, it's not doing any good hanging out there. And, you know, Anthony doesn't feel bad. He's never going to apologize. And ultimately, John Locke needs to move on and forget. Like, it's sad but he does and just enjoy his life and enjoy the wonderful gift that is Helen. (laughs) Well, he tells Helen he's not going to go back, but we all know he is because 
because otherwise there'd be no drama. Yeah, because got, otherwise uh, that would be the end of the flashback, and they lived happily ever after, and they made their relationship work, and John Locke never got paralyzed. But John goes back, and she shows up, and she takes his keys and throws it over the Which fence. suddenly, like, it's funny at the, the very beginning of the episode, because she's like, ah, oh, you know, I keep my mouth shut. You know, I don't explode at these people, because if, if I allow myself to get all hot and bothered, I don't stop. And then later in the episode, we get her rear-ending him. Yeah. <laughs> grabbing his keys out of the ignition, and yeah, throwing them onto this man's property. <laughs> Do um, not mess with Helen is the long and short of that story. Which I do, uh, when the scene ends, inevitably, I do look forward to the awkwardness of when he <laughs> has to get, like, the guard at the gate to go get his keys for him so he could drive home. But we don't see that. Instead, we get a great scene, a really powerful scene, uh, between two great actors, Katie Seagal and Tara Quinn, um, where they're, she's basically saying, like, you're scared of moving forward. That's what yeah. this is about. You're scared of moving forward and you have to choose him or me. You can't have, you can't come here and try to connect with a man who clearly doesn't care about you or you could be with me. And he's lock scared. He's got this whole idea of like, like I don't know what's going to happen. To which she's like, nobody knows what will happen. That's life, my dude. That is life. Which also fits into pushing a button. It's a leap of faith. Or not pushing a button. It's a leap of faith. So, yeah, that's pretty much the lock. The lock story. And it, it very much informs. And, you know, part of that is her informing him or reminding him that he needs to ask for help. Nobody can get through this life on their own, you know. You can't be an island unto yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's a metaphorical ah. island. Uh, John Locke. <laughs> no man is an island. Mm-hmm. You have to ask for help. And ultimately, that's sort of the direction John Locke goes this episode. So I I really... Gosh, shout out to Terry O'Quinn's performance in this episode. Um, well, there's, just, a, there's yeah. a reason he's one of two of the actors who won Emmys off of this show. Yeah. Just the depths of anger he gets into when he's, you know, exploding at people or, or talking about fears and anxiety about moving on. And that scene in the car where he just breaks down and cries, freaking brilliant. Like, that's one of the reasons why, even though I don't like necessarily like where the Hatch storyline goes, I am enthralled during this episode because the flashback is compelling. All the stuff in the Hatch is compelling. Like, all the performances are top-notch. I am enthralled watching this episode, well, even though I don't like where it ends up going in the grander scheme of things. Well, I have no problem with a lot of the places it ends up going, but uh, it is like, let's say you believe everything that comes after is nonsense, which is what you seem to believe. <laughs> it, it is this thing where... It's an exciting, fresh mystery at this point. Yeah. Like, the world is your oyster. Anything could happen. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Um, well, I, I was going to get to what does happen. Oh, well, um, the only other thing I wanted to say is that I'm, it is so fresh and exciting, and it's been so long since I've seen it, and because it does play in such, like, a Twilight Zone-esque sort of 
manner that I find myself going, oh no, I'm falling for it again. Even though I ultimately know where this ends up going and I know that that's unsatisfying. Or, like I'm watching it and I'm like, oh man, I'm falling for it just like I did all those years ago. Or maybe you're realizing it's good. Maybe. I mean, look. The whole point of this podcast for me is to convert you into like this. And then the second we're done with this whole podcast, I'm going to start another podcast with somebody else who doesn't like laws. <laughs> and I'm just going to make it my life's mission to just one to just person one by at one a time. Convert. Make them rewatch the series <laughs> and convert them to my way of thinking. <laughs> that sounds like an awfully big time investment. It is, but, you know, I, uh, I got to do... Uh, your due diligence. Of, yeah. I got to do the work of Jacob. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, I got to do the work of the man in black because I apparently just need to rain on everyone's parade. <laughs> so when we when we get back to the island, it's the scene we've seen twice before already, but uh, with a little bit more additions, a little bit different more perspectives. Um, Jack won't lower the gun. Because because he's Jack. Yeah. <laughs> but Kate gets out of the vent, finds the cache of weapons, and basically just knocks Desmond out. At a girl. Like, that entire sequence, I'm like, Kate is my girl. Good job, lady. But not the best job. <laughs> because when she... I, I said knocks out, but when she, when she knocks him down... Knocks him to the ground, disarms him. Yeah, the gun goes off. Very dangerous, yes. Because <laughs> in, in the captions it goes, gun ricochets. And I was like, ah. Yeah, bullets <laughs> are ricocheting around this hatch. And it hits the computer. The computer that is apparently used to keep the world from not being destroyed. And Desmond looks at it terrified and is like, we're all gonna die <laughs> to be fair desmond if you didn't want to run the risk of shooting this computer maybe you shouldn't have held someone at gunpoint right next to the computer if you don't want your computer shot don't have guns next to the computer it's common sense uh I <laughs> we also in this moment because now desmond wants to go fix the computer but jack is being a real cry baby about pill. all this i was gonna say pill <laughs> he's like no you can't get up and fix that computer i'm not gonna let you fix it i want answers blah, blah, blah. okay now here's the, here here's the thing the idea that this computer prevents the world from ending is patently ridiculous mm -hmm. however there are a lot of weird things happening yeah and I believe that I would err on the side of caution, being, let the guy fix the computer. <laughs> Which I know seems insane, but like, I, and, and I'm not saying I wouldn't question it, but I don't think I'd be as much of like, so like down the line as Jack. Well, the thing is, is that at this point, Jack recognizes this man. Yeah. So... I think part of it is that, you know, he and Jack, even though he doesn't, you know, even though Desmond doesn't recognize Jack quite yet, he looks familiar, but he doesn't recognize him for who he is just yet. 
I think Jack, all of those memories about his ex-wife and it all he it's all it's, through Desmond. Now yeah. this is a reminder of all of that. Yeah, that's all come flooding back to him within the context of everything that's happened within the last seventy-two hours, which like. If you recall our two-hour recap of the finale, oh, um, that's yeah. not seventy-two hours. Like this is like twenty-four hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I'm including like when Rousseau walked up and like the no, stuff that right was before. All one day. It's all one fucking day, man. It's all been one day. <laughs> it's exhausting. We've had <laughs> six hours of Lost that have taken place in a twenty-four hour period. Yeah. That's a lot to process and a lot to digest, especially because they they just blew the hatch open, and like they, they ju- you know this confrontation with John Locke has finally come to a head. And Jack is seeing some guy who he met at the stadium, and the guy remembers him too. Yeah, and the guy remembers like, oh, like what happened? So uh, like, yeah, all of these emotions are flooding back to Jack. Married and, her. Well, and and. I think just in the moment where like Desmond's freaking out about the computer, Jack is like, what happened to this guy? He seemed like he had everything together. One, how did he get here? Because if he's here, maybe there's a way home. Like I'm sure all of this stuff is like flying around in his head. But like this guy who seemed to have everything together, you know, however long ago that was, three years ago, um, you know, this guy who had everything together three years ago is now, in Jack's mind, a raving lunatic on this crazy deserted island. How does that happen? And of course Jack wants and, answers. And he's wrestling with the insanity of the situation, which is what Locke calls him out on later in the episode, where he's like, why is this insane? Like, why are you, you're so upset because you recognize this guy? Because yeah. you know that's impossible? But it's possible, it's happening. So believe these other things. That's the, th- the, the reason I'm always hard on Jack is because Jack keeps up this attitude all the way into season four. Mm-hmm. Then he starts to change. But it's like it took like having to see the island disappear in front of his <laughs> eyes for him to start to believe all the insanity that was happening. He has and, to see a cloud pick someone up and kill them for him to go, guys, I think there's a monster out here. <laughs> and that doesn't even do it. <laughs> so Jack is just so damn angry. But he does let Desmond try to fix the computer. And while Desmond is trying to fix the computer, he tells a little bit of the story about how he was on that race around the world those all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And they crashed on a reef. And when he came to on the island, there was this guy, Kelvin. And Kelvin gave him, like, a little orientation about... Who we know is Clancy Brown. I know, yes. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, Calvin was like, you know, telling him what's what. And he's like, we're saving the world here. And then for years, him and Kelvin pushed this button until Kelvin died, which we also will find out later died the day of the plane crash. Which I will be honest, I remember that episode very vaguely. I, I know he died the day of the plane crash. I feel like he died in a scuffle with Desmond, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, you remember gonna, better than you think. I, I was going to say, yeah. I know that, like, certainly here, in this moment, 
Desmond certainly doesn't mention how Kelvin died, which doesn't look great for him. <laughs> well, the thing that has to have been driving Desmond insane, because so how long have they been on the island now? I mean, at least two a, months. Two, two months, months now. So Desmond, in all this time, is doing this job himself, which means he can't sleep. Like, he has to sleep in short bursts because every 108 minutes he has to push the button he has to put in the code and push the button don't get out much he's going crazy this is a two-man job this is a 10-man job pushing this button you need people on shifts doing this like almost like an ensemble cast's worth of people yeah if you ask me (laughs) so desmond explains this and he tries to reboot the computer but it shorts and it's like I will say, I don't know how it plays on the uh, DVD, but uh, when you're watching it on a streaming service, uh, it cuts to black and it cuts to commercials. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm not fond of the commercials I get on Hulu, but like it, it, it goes the explosion, it cuts to black, and then it goes to a commercials. And even, even watching it in that regard, I was like, ha, nice. <laughs> the, um... But Desmond has told them about an orientation film. Like on, what was that, Super 8 microfilm? Yeah, 16 millimeter. Something along those lines. I was expecting uh, the the bad guy from Sinister to pop up in the video and turn his head towards the screen. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the first time we really see anything about the Dharma Initiative. And there's a lot of things set up in here that our history of the Dharma Initiative that on this rewatch of Lost, I'm going to be curious about. Well, let me t- talk a little bit about what's in the video. Go for it. Hit the bulletin First points. of all, it's for the orientation for station number three, the Swan. And it is three of six. Mm, so are there five other hatches? We don't know. Sorry, I'll let you go through the info. <laughs> no, no, but I was debating whether to be make a snarky comment of, but yes, there are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we see a man, Dr. Marvin Candle, who later will be named Dr. Pierre Chang and be discovered to be the father of Miles, who is someone who will show up on the show on a freighter in season <laughs> four who can commune with the dead but that's neither here nor there you just said a lot of things all i know is that the guy in this video will go by many names over the course of this series uh, because he keeps popping up in informational videos he's and he's usually pretty good at giving us an information dump he actually in season five becomes like a flesh and blood character like an actual person yeah (laughs) thank Um, you time travel question mark (laughs) so they tell a little bit of the history of the dharma initiative they talk about the the groots who wanted to basically start this large-scale social science experiment that deals with you know zoology like all these different ologies have you ever played any of the bioshock games no uh the way the dharma initiative is described in this particular video uh about a place where you could pursue science and other 
other sort of um, ventures, uh, edu- scientific ventures, uh, academic ventures. You could go through all these different things without the restrictions of, like, say, governments. It sounds very similar to Andrew Ryan in Bioshock wanting to set up uh, his sort of utopia that's free from the confines of government and religion well, and, and all this other stuff, which that whole game and Andrew Ryan, all of that is basically a very critical look at like Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. And so that I'm getting a lot of those particular vibes well, from this group of like, we can just play God and do whatever we want here. The Dharma Initiative ends up kind of being pseudo-megalomaniacal hippies. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like they're a whole bunch of, like, it's Dharma. You know, it, it's, 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 they're like peaceful, but they're also, they got guns and they're going to do this experiment and all these, so it's. It's exactly like, that kind of thing. We're all for like th- free thinking and stuff, man. But we're also gonna set that shark with uh with our logo on you <laughs> because there's no one who can stop us. So <laughs> the Dharma to finish up the video or the the film, uh, the Dharma Initiative. You know the groups they got their funding through this guy Hanzo, who's always shown like mysteriously like in shadow in the videos. <laughs> Um, he gave them their financial backing. Um, uh, one of the things about the island and this station has to do with the unique electromagnetic. But here's the thing: the, the film keeps cutting, so we don't get we're getting bits of bit. We know the electromagnetic. We've seen it a little bit with the key that Jack had, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, being taken off of, and they they, they they talk about an incident but the, it keeps cutting out because it's old Which, film yeah you don't know if uh, like some of those omissions are on purpose or uh, they basically say they have to keep putting pushing this button but things keep getting cut out and there was an incident an incident that we know is, that we actually get to see in season five i don't remember what it is it's quite an incident Probably. Let me tell you, it's <laughs> crazy. Probably, is that like? Oh, never mind. I'm not even gonna guess because there's so much about those later seasons that I don't remember, and I'm sure if you tell me now, I'm just gonna be mad. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that that's why this happened. Now here, now I want to get into a little bit of the mythology of the series mm-hmm. because I remember when they set up Hanzo into the Groots. And there were many articles, mostly on Entertainment Weekly, <laughs> diving into what all this means. And there were many people debating, like, who is Hanzo? And is he this person? And, or maybe is he like... I mean, I'm people where everything from, like, he's, like, a time-traveling John Locke <laughs> to he's, like... Is he Charles Widmore, really? Is this an alias? And Charles I mean, Widmore, Charles Widmore is not even a character yet. But Time-traveling like, John Locke would be amazing. But there were all, I almost would forgive this series if it did something like there that. There were all these theories. And although Hanzo comes up more, I feel like... I don't know whether this is a case of... The writers didn't pay off a mystery, or... 
lost fans because they started to train themselves to look for mystery and everything invested too much stock in some of the information in these films i think it's yes and yes yes yeah. and yes i mean because um as we've discussed you know they they clearly laid the groundwork for a lot of things that then either they never got around to or the series outgrew or they took the series in a different direction because they were fighting the network there were all sorts of other things and maybe they were never intending to follow up on these individuals but they laid the the seeds well, in case well, they felt like they could go back and in that once direction. you set up a show that there's like like eight out of ten things are a mystery those other two things that are just like sometimes a financial backer is just a financial backer you're going to look at at other things i would but i would on the counterpoint argue that if there was anyone who in this series ended goes well i want to like they didn't tell us more about the, the groups then i feel like you were watching this series wrong and maybe living your life wrong <laughs> like if that if you were holding on to like there, there are certain things I think, look, polar bear is a big thing. There are polar bears running around. I get someone wanting a little more polar bear closure <laughs> because the polar bear is such a big, dramatic thing. But there are certain things that, like, well, people got to let go. Now that I've made the Bioshock comparison, I would absolutely love for Jack or uh, Booker DeWitt to just stroll into the Dharma Initiative with all their vigors and just light the whole thing on fire. Um, <laughs> that's just me. I would love to see Booker tear up the Dharma Initiative. So we watched this film, and I mean, we're not going to get more answers than what I just said yeah. in this episode. Which, again, to be fair... You could just write this off as like, okay, that was just the exposition that we needed, or you could, you could critique it and go like, well, this never got paid off. Those characters never got developed. E both, I think, viewpoints are equally valid. I think in this regard, there, there are going to be more films. There are going to be films that come together and connect with other films. There are going to be missing pieces of films. The next two seasons, there are going to be a lot of films. And Probably. we will be here to talk about all of them. Maybe I'll feel differently about the DeGroote and Hanzo thing later on. Like, maybe I will find it frustrating that as we get more videos and as we get more development with the Dharma Initiative, well, that they don't really I, come into play. I feel like they ended up setting up other people like Widmore as bigger antagonists. Uh, and maybe rightfully so, because he's, uh, he's maybe a better villain. Now... Um, film ends and mm -hmm. Locke says we're, we're going to need to watch that again <laughs> and Jack does not want to because Jack thinks the film is garbage and in my notes here I wrote Jack thinks the film is garbage dot 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 like Megan <laughs> because I assumed this would be the part where you were like this is everything I don't like about Lost, and Jack is right. That film is garbage, but you maybe not anymore, or at least not for this episode. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that I like in the context of this episode, it's fine. It's exposition. You know what it is, Will? It's an explanation for a mystery that was set up in season one, because like, or or at least at the very beginning of this season, because I don't remember if we ever saw the Dharma Initiative logo in season one. No. Um. Well. Again, it's something that we immediately had questions as soon as we saw the Dharma Initiative logo, and 
this was an immediate payoff for that and we don't get a lot of exposition dumps like this on Lost. So in the context of this episode, it told us so much about the island. It explained well, why there was a hatch. It explains... That there were experiments yeah. being run on this island, which, which could, could explain the smoke monster. It, it doesn't, ex- but it could. It could explain a lot of the weird stuff going on on this island. So this film, just on the surface... I don't have a problem with and I especially even though I side more with Jack in terms of like if I were to see this at face value I would take it as okay that explains a lot about the place that we're on I I I would side with Jack I this explains a lot about where we are but that doesn't mean that I believe this scenario. I, uh, it just means that this person's being manipulated. At this point in the series I, and I'm sure everyone else, assume that the others were the Dharma Initiative. Yeah. At this point. I mean, th- it's so easy to make that comparison. Yeah. yeah. Um, or to make that link, sorry. <laughs> so, you know, Desmond is starting to panic. They're not going to get the computer fixed. Locke has the idea of, oh, we could get Saeed to fix it. Saeed could fix anything. And you can see the look on Desmond's face, like, how many fucking people are there? <laughs> like, like I think when Kate goes, like, we could get Saeed, and he's like, oh, another one? Like, yeah. awesome, awesome guy. So, <laughs> they go to get, Kate goes to get Saeed. While this is happening, uh, Desmond is having a full-on breakdown, and he's like, I gotta get out of here. And Jack basically tells Desmond, like, why are you leaving? Haven't you ever thought that, like, this is just an experiment? That they're, they're just testing to see, will you really keep pushing that button? And Desmond, of course, has thought this. Yeah, because but, he has nothing but time on his hands to think about his predicament. But he keeps pushing that button. Because, you know, what if he's wrong? The uh, This is what I'm talking about in terms of, like, this dialogue in particular is why it's so reminiscent of the twilight zone um because it's like haven't you ever thought of this like jack being so condescending is like of course i've thought of that but like i like that thought both tortures me but also gives me hope because that's something desmond says he's like i hope to god that this isn't true i hope this is all bollocks because in his mind you know prior to this moment if anything were to ever happen to him or if he were to like go crazy or like get into an accident or just have a heart attack one day yeah the world is over so he's like yeah i hope it is all bollocks including who would die the love of his life penny who's in a picture in a picture of penny so and penny really won't come back into play until a long time until the season two finale when when we get more about desmond but desmond is like i'm out of here he grabs some stuff and runs then Jack is like, Lock, I'm out of here too. <laughs> wah, wah. I gotta go chase that crazy man. <laughs> so Because I have some emotional baggage I need to work out. So let's let's do the Jack Desmond stuff first. Jack chases down Desmond. And Jack's being a real asshole here, if you're asking me. Because like just like, like you're like why He's Jack pointing is, a gun at him. Jack is so 
angry and desmond's being like cool about it desmond's like oh that's right you need the code here's the code yeah four I, eight yeah. i love that he's like if by some miracle you get it to work then this is what you got to do like yeah i i love that desmond is rolling with it he's like oh that's right you're you guys are gonna stick it out and try to fix it okay well in the event that you fix it i've earned my break but <laughs> here's the code and jack is so like nothing's going to happen and that's, again, while pointing a gun at him, <laughs> and that's why Des, that's when Desmond has the conversation about like, oh, you whatever don't even happened. know what you're running from, and he's like, whatever happened to that, uh, that 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 girl, and he's like, I married her, and you know, and he starts to talk about having you know the faith. So. Jack is, Desmond runs off. Jack's left with all. He's like, oh, I just love that moment of like, oh, you're not married to her anymore. Well, this is awkward. See you in another life. Yeah. <laughs> now, Desmond just nope out of that conversation. Desmond's gotta get out of there because I guess he thinks he could outrun the end of the world, but he doesn't or really know. a gun. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really know what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. He just knows he wants to get some distance from the hatch. So, in the interim, Kate goes to the beach. She finds Saeed. He's talking to Hurley. So, naturally, Hurley comes along. I love Hurley, too. Just... And Locke <laughs> himself is trying to fix his computer. It is not working. And he's having his own breakdown and his own crisis of What faith. am I supposed to do? Which, if I'm not mistaken, harkens back to when he was initially outside of the hatch and the light came on he, he's yes. like what am i supposed to do he is a man desperate for answers um even though helen in the past gave him all the answers he'd ever need and he threw it away you idiot but but yeah as a man of faith now he finds it exceedingly difficult to have faith when you don't know what you're supposed to do next but just when he has that crisis of faith saeed to the rescue saeed comes in <laughs> He's trying to fix the thing. And he's like, don't you have questions? He's like, of course I have questions, but there's yeah. a countdown timer and something that needs to be fixed. You'll fill me in later, I assume. Saeed, yeah. MVP of this episode. Saeed, yeah. And that's actually a great line and a great attitude to have about the whole thing. Like, I'm going to get this job done because, yeah, I'm in a room with a counter. Who knows what happens if it goes off? So... And they're they're trying to help him. They're looking for the breakers and stuff. And I love this. It's the team working together. It you know Locke has to ask for help, and it's that it's it's on a much smaller scale than what we we get sometimes. But it's it's this group of people having to work together to make sure that the hatch doesn't explode? Question mark That the world doesn't end? Question mark We don't know. But they have to get it together to push this button. So, long story short. They get it working, and it's where they've got minutes left. <laughs> oh, this was infuriating. And Locke is starting to type in the numbers, but he he's having trouble remembering them. And Hurley <laughs> realizes what the numbers are, and he's like, "Don't, don't type in those numbers. Don't do this." And Locke's putting them all out and he's like oh there's one more uh, 32 goes, 32 Hurley you know what you do you man yeah 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 because yeah, yeah. Hurley knows it's the wrong number but then Jack <laughs> comes back and he goes it's 42 because Jack whatever Desmond said to him 
made Jack believe just enough that maybe we should push this button. <laughs> and he goes back in. Cause the, the coincidences, the conversation, like everything's like, so he comes in and Locke's about to hit execute. And then he's like, no, no, no. It's, it's got to be you, Jack. It's got to be you. Oh, my God. He wants him to do it. And part of the reason is, and this, this is both. Again, both, it's 100% wrong and 100% right. Well, because it's that weird, like, Locke is right. This is a team effort. They're all going to have to get on board. And this is a good way to get Jack on board. Like, let's see him do this. But it's also that weird John Locke indoctrination bullshit at the same time. Like, I get you to do this thing, and now, like, you're in this well, thing. that's the thing, is that, like, I get what John Locke is trying to do. He because can't he, do it alone. He straight up says, I can't do it alone. I need your help. And Jack, being stubborn Jack, if he doesn't do it now, he'll never do it. And so I get what John Locke is doing here, but you're absolutely right. It's that weird indoctrination thing. And uh, this, again, this is why Saeed is like the MVP of this episode, because he goes, this conversation is irrelevant. And he goes to push the button until John Locke yells at him yeah. to stop. Or Jack yells at him to stop. They both yell at him to stop. I don't know. If I had been Kate in this moment, I would have been like, you boys are freaking driving me crazy and I would have hit the button myself because like I don't have time and potentially the world doesn't have time to deal with your macho bullshit one of you press this button I don't care who okay you're not gonna do it I'll do it and there's also that the would have been Kate taking pro tag status back <laughs> that would have been amazing there's also but it's it's it has but I mean dramatically as we know it has to be this because it's it comes down to these two Guys, because always with this Jack, conversation about faith. and Because Jack usurped her protagonist status. So it would have been Kate fighting with Locke. Yes. But then maybe I'd be like, oh, Kate's always... I'd have probably all the same problems as I have. She's so bossy. Well, the, <laughs> so what that would be. <laughs> but do you know what the problem... The thing is, if if Kate had been Jack, I'd probably be like, I got a lot of Kate problems. Honestly, honestly, like if... Kate had stayed the protagonist, it would have been a very different show. Yeah. Because Jack and Kate are very different characters. You can't substitute Jack for Kate and Kate for Jack. You just can't. They're two different people. So the the entire direction of the show would have been altered. It would have I think it would have been less of man of faith versus man of science and it would have gone in a different direction. It would have been more of like that convict with a heart of gold looking for redemption. We don't even know how they might have changed Kate's character, though. No, no idea. So, anyway, there's a great, sorry. There's a great <laughs> exchange where Jack is like, why has it always been so easy for you to believe? And Locke yells back, it's never been easy. Yep. Ugh. It's a leap of faith. And this is the lesson he learned from Helen. Helen... <laughs> Tell him to push the button. Like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe he should have taken other things from him. But this is the thing. Yeah, it's funny how he cherry-picked his lessons, isn't it? <laughs> and Jack pushes the button. And you're in the cult of Locke. Yeah. And now... The counter resets. The counter resets, and you've got a whole season of button pushing now. Everyone's going to push that button. Hurley's going to push that button. Michael's going to push that button. Kate's going to push that button. Everyone's going to push the button. 
Which is, again, Mr. why... Mr. Echo is going to push that button. Which is why, again, I think this works much, much better as a one-off Twilight Zone episode than it does as a major plot point in this series. Again, I'm only watching... You know, I'm only talking about the context of this episode. This is phenomenal storytelling. This is super compelling and it's super well executed. In the context of an entire season's worth of drama, I kind of feel like... You know, it's season two of The Walking Dead all over again, where it's like, why are we still here? Why are we still on this farm? That's the way I feel about the first half of season three of Lost. Not the second half, but the first half of season three of Lost. Um, It's the one time you'll have me on that, (laughs) when Jack, Kate, and Sawyer for half a season are basically separated from I'm fairly certain that once we get to, like, season three, I'm going to want to flip this table and... Well, please don't, please don't do that. This is what I'm going to say. This is where the computer is. Yeah. Don't do that. The computer where we have to push the button. To record <laughs> we, have to, the we have to hit the red button to I'm going to make podcast. you, I'm going to force you to hit the save button after this episode. <laughs> be like, like, it has to be you. you. You're the one who has to do it. Why do I have to do that? Well, I do that enough for my other podcasts. Um, one other thing I'd like to point out about the computer. Uh, before we get into the B story, which actually we is. still have the B story to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, I guess we we do. <laughs> um, the there's a line in the film where they talk about where they're about to say something about like don't use the computer, and it's this idea of and maybe I'm filling in blanks because I know what happens, but they don't want people using the computer to communicate and that's going to come into play later i imagine somebody used a computer to communicate the numbers out to people and uh and to find out that the dharma initiative is full of nonsense i i will say though i love the idea of (laughs) it being a slightly more modern film don't use the computer to look up personal things on the internet while you're working like don't use the don't com- look at not for safe or work don't websites. go to yeah don't go to Pornhub <laughs> when you should be pushing the button could you imagine if the computer meant you know where that the the fate of the world rested on the shoulders of this the processing power of this computer if it got a virus off of Pornhub and that's how the world ends that would be kind of a bummer and yet also kind of funny <laughs> So there is another storyline mm-hmm. with our friends on the raft. Mm-hmm. That's actually a pretty intense storyline, although I brief. I loved this. I think I like the tailies more than you do. So I really, but I really dug this. There, there's some tailies I like. <laughs> uh, it's the one I like the most. Mr. Echo! Now we don't know he's Mr. Echo yet. We don't even no. know he's someone from the tail section yet. But we assume he's an other, which, it, you know, he's got a giant stick and he's angry he's got a big beard and he's very strong i mean he looks like someone who's lived on that island for a while so complete sidebar uh he the the actor who plays uh mr echo he played lakna in the mummy returns which was one of imhotep's like henchmen dudes in that movie and i absolutely loved the first two mummy movies so like i think i started watching this and going wait a minute, is that the guy from The Mummy Returns? Oh my God! So I loved this guy instantly. He's an actor who pops up. He was in Suicide Squad. He's in a lot of things. I always have trouble pronouncing his name, and I should have written it down to pronounce (laughs) it, but it's like with an A, and it's... 
African and difficult for me to say. Uh, As we've discussed in the past, we're not the best at pronouncing names. Sorry, Javi. <laughs> um, but anyway, Mr. Echo attacks Michael and Sawyer and basically throws them and Jin into a pit. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, these are the fucking others. Well, that, and Jin keeps saying others. Yeah, he keeps saying others, and so they assume, ah, okay, these and guys it, are the others. And it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense this would be the same people who attacked them on the boat. It would make sense. Like, how many marauders could there be? <laughs> yeah. How many magical island marauders could so there be? So Jin's trying to communicate this to them, the others, and Sawyer's nursing his wound, and then... They open up the pit. There's like it's it's kind of like a bamboo gate yeah. on top. And Sawyer which, Sawyer mentions that like it's like they've got it tied down to something because it's yeah. weighted down. He can't just lift the bamboo. Yeah, because they they hoist them up there to to try. Again, smaller group uh, working together to try to to try to overcome a problem. I appreciate so they, it. Mr. Echo opens up the the bamboo. After almost stabbing Sawyer in the face, BTW. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And he, they throw uh, Michelle Rodriguez down there. Anna, Anna Lucia, Lucia, who we the last we time recognize because we recognize her because one, it's Michelle Rodriguez, and two, we saw her in the airport N- talking to Jack. Now I do have to ask season, you in the season one finale. I do have to ask you: Do you think it would have been better? For them to throw Michelle Rodriguez down there without us having seen that scene, or do you think it's better the way they did it, where she's an established person, and then they throw her down? Because she is a known actress, so we know when we see her, no matter what, she's going to be important. I think it's better the way... Well, I mean, I, I, it would have played the other way as like, a, oh, what's this? But I think it... Because th- here's the thing. I think we're looking at this with hindsight. Yeah, yeah. And I think when I watched this back then, I was so convinced these are the others. And when I saw it was the woman who was on the plane That with validated them, that. It's like, wait a second. Uh, other, like, what does this mean about the others? Mm-hmm. Like, I never was thinking about it in terms of... These are the other survivors. Yeah, I was thinking in terms of, like... They converted what her or something. Or, or what's this game they had going? Um, But, I mean, it would have played... Uh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think, it honestly, it would have played just as well the other way. And, look, there's also a chance when they introduced her at the end of season one then when they decide to reintroduce her in season two they changed the idea of how they wanted to do yeah, it I, I i think that the way they did it is totally fine and valid i just there's always a part of me that's like well i wonder how i would have felt if but, this was the first time i saw her but here's the thing i mean the other thing is she's completely well not completely honest but she's honest with them about her situation. Her situation. Like, we crashed her. I was in the tail section. Like, the plane came apart. Flight 815. And the, then where she starts lying is she's like, I've been out here alone. And they're like, oh, you've been out here alone all this time. Like, oh. Well, and Sawyer, we're about to be the three best things that ever happened to you. He's he so can't much... turn it off. He can't turn it off. It's so great. <laughs> it's so great. But he's also he's like, like, hey there, pretty lady. <laughs> he's cocky about it. But he also has like kind of reason to be because he's like, oh, guess what? You're saved. 
<laughs> I got this I gun. Think, I think he really kind of relished this moment where he might get to be this pretty lady's white knight for a second. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's like, Kate doesn't appreciate me. She didn't even come say goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to come to this lady's rescue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, uh, it was, it's very charming. It's very charming. Um, And then, and let's see, like you see her like react strongly to that she, gun she asks one too many questions and that's when they know something's up yeah why don't you keep asking questions and she's able to then get that gun from him <laughs> and hold them all off and then she calls for mr echo to hoist her out of there now which is when you realize that oh they threw her down there to see what they knew yeah and which it's a smart ploy it's a very smart now does she believe now now it's becomes a question like how much of this story does she buy buy? how much because we're going to see that the tail section had their own issues with the others in this period of time and there's there's they had their version of an ethan yeah i was gonna say yeah there's enough context clues given what we know in the series happened uh, again with our experiences with ethan uh, that we know that the others are crafty, that they're really good at establishing backstory <laughs> and being method actors. <laughs> so, so that, that's basically where that like they find themselves in the same position. They're stuck in a pit. Yeah, but yeah, the only thing that they know now is that the person who they they thought was also sort of in the same boat as them, so to speak actually isn't on their team isn't on their team but inevitably they all should be on the same team but yeah Yeah. at that point they don't even know like is she real was she really on the plane or is she another everybody thinks they're others yeah and the the only other thing to sort of take away from this is that that you know michael still doesn't know what happened to walt yes they could have him or yeah, if this group isn't the others, then yeah, that's still kind of a big mystery. So that's the episode. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, it, it's a really great episode, and I'm actually, you know, I I usually don't think of like ahead of time what my Jacob Man in Black is. I usually kind of think of it like as we're doing this. It's a tough episode to think of a Man in Black yeah. for because it's a pretty. This is a tight solid episode. episode. Um, I mean, I'm going to just be nitpicky and just say that my man in black for this is going to be the fact that that because of things we see in that film, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's set up, I think it's set fairly or not some people down wrong paths of thinking. Uh, but I, I almost don't even want to do because part of me blames the uh the fans for that more than blames the writers so but that's like i don't know i'm having trouble thinking of anything else (laughs) i might dislike this is a really solid episode and and it's funny to hear you uh actually come up with a man in black that sounds like a man in black i would have (laughs) in terms of like hey this is a thing that never got set up it's 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 nice to be on the other side um I, I have a hard time coming up with a man in black too because like when I think of like a man in black for this episode I'm like the acting is solid the directing is solid the writing is solid there's so much good in this episode that I'm also leaning towards more of a meta commentary man in black of like 
I don't like how all the the hatch stuff ends up shaking out, especially because I kind of feel like some of it gets retconned later on um, when we find out more about the island and more about like Jacob and things like that. Or not necessarily retconned, but hand waved. Um, but the, uh, I guess if I were to, just for the sake of being different so that we both don't have meta commentary stuff, I'm going to say, John Locke, how dare you not worship the ground that Helen walks on when she walks into your life? <laughs> My man in black is going to be John Locke I mean, not appreciating the wonder that is that woman. I mean, my man in black could have easily been, Jack, why are you so angry? But I feel like we've been down that road before. <laughs> um, if, every, if every episode where your man in black was, Jack, why are you so angry? Or why are you so stubborn? I'm fairly certain that would be your man in black and like, 80% of these episodes. Um, what's your uh, Jacob then? There are a lot of good things in this episode. Um, I will probably go with just, you know, I've said it a million times now. I, I really just like the Twilight Zone-esque feel of this episode and again, if it was a, it's my favorite thing about it. But there are so many good things. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too meta commentary. I'm just gonna go with Jack and Desmond's conversation about the hypo hypothetically this could all be fake conversation. Because, because I love so much of it, I'm gonna go with Desmond in general. Because now this is the third episode we've seen Desmond. But I feel like he this is where we're. This yeah. is where we get to see him be a little funny, a little charming, a little scared, a little actiony. We, we we get to see a showcase of a character who is going to become such a fan favorite who we won't see again until the season finale, I believe. Yeah, I think with Desmond, um, with this episode, it's really, really great at showing the charm and charisma of that man we met last season um, very briefly. It comes out in that Jack conversation. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is the same guy. Yeah, this is the same guy. But it's also very clear that that same guy has been alone for so long that like it's that same guy on the brink and so it's it's a really good showcase of this guy's personality at this particular point in his life like he's a funny warm very very approachable charismatic person who is at the end of his rope and so you get to see all of that you see the despair but also the humor and the fun and so much of what makes Desmond so lovable well speaking of fun I believe next week, if I'm not mistaken, is a Hurley episode. Ooh. So, is that Everybody Hates Hurley? Yeah. That's like the take on uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, right? Yep. And <laughs> I, uh, so I think that'll, uh, uh, I think that might be a deserved respite after three very intense episodes to start the season. I think that's fair. I mean, and by respite, I mean, you know, Hurley's got issues that are serious but it's a little you know I mean, we get a hint of sort of where his story arc is going this season because he finds that storage room yeah so it's like oh this could be a this could be an issue 
Megan, tell the people where they can find you. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also do a lot of stuff for Rooster Team Radio on Anchor. So go and check that out by following the Rooster Team on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. And uh, you can also buy my book, Crazy About Kurt. It's about four teenagers in 1994 Long Island over one night. That night happens to be the day Kurt Cobain died. Uh, So, yeah, pick up that book. Uh, So, yeah, there you go. Another episode down. Five million more to go. (laughs) Uh, And until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will Hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. uh, Not as frequently as usual. (laughs) But you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, These are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) It makes sense. We're on the same network. (laughs) So yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.